0: Welcome, friends, to the Girl Mom Podcast, a community where we aim to be strong mothers raising empowered daughters. This is Carrie Kampakis, your host. Today's show is about picking your battles and rejecting the narrative that society hands us about simply trying to survive our teenage daughters. As I've said before, this next generation faces unprecedented challenges, and they need parents and mentors who will love them and guide them. I've made so many mistakes with my own daughters, and I've gone through seasons of locking horns with a daughter. But even in the midst of tension, I didn't want to settle for turmoil or tell myself that mothers and daughters fight, and that's just the way it is, because I believe that God created us for so much more. Whether you're listening to this episode alone, with friends, or with your favorite girl, I hope it comes as a reminder that you and your daughter are on the same team. You can also find this message as a new blog post on my website. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the show. I was pregnant with my third child and waiting to see the doctor in the office of my OBGYN. In the waiting room, an older woman asked me what I was having. As I told her I was having another girl, my third daughter, she and two ladies nearby exchanged glances and groaned. Ironically, they all had adolescent daughters, and with doom and gloom in their voices, they unanimously told me, just wait until those girls are teenagers. You're really going to be in for it. I'd heard this cliche before, and I never was a big fan of it, but I chalked these mothers up as Debbie Downers and forgot about their gloomy forecast until I started to hear the same script again, and again, and again. You see, when you have four daughters, that's the number one narrative that older moms share, often under the guise of being helpful. For years, and when my daughters were young, my goal was to prove them wrong. I promised myself, my daughters will not be like that. We will always be close, and I will not look like those stressed-out, strung-out, exhausted moms in the throes of raising teenagers. Well, I was well on my way to reaching this goal until my daughter started middle school and we started to fight, and suddenly I became the stressed-out, exhausted mom of a teenager. From the back corner of my mind, I pulled out the narrative that I'd heard too many times to count. Those moms were actually right, I admitted to myself. Everybody had warned me about teenagers, and now their predictions are coming true. The answer, I assured myself, was to navigate this new teen territory by digging in my heels and firmly taking control. Otherwise, this daughter and her three sisters would walk all over me. After all, it was my daughter's attitude, moodiness, and sass that had disrupted our once-loving dynamic. If anyone needed to change in this relationship, it was her and definitely not me. Well, the tension between me and my daughter grew until I had a breakdown one morning after yelling at her before school. In the peace of a quiet home, I regretted that fight and every silly fight we had before it. Honestly, I hated how coldly I would acted toward my child in this season of locking horns, and as that truth sank in, and as I quit making excuses for why my daughter needed a firm hand and our arguing was justified, I fell to my knees and begged God to help me restore our rocky relationship." God used that day as my wake-up call. He helped me take a hard look at myself and see how my pride, my stubbornness, and my refusal to apologize for what I'd done wrong and try a new approach were all a big part of the problem. In short, I was not acting like the adult in this relationship, and it took a lot of soul-searching to finally admit this. That rock-bottom moment that I planned to keep as a secret and admit to absolutely no one years later became the inspiration behind my new book for moms of teen girls that will release this coming August, on August 18th. It's called Love Her Well, 10 Ways to Find Joy and Connection with Your Teenage Daughter, and you can pre-order it now on Amazon and all other online retailers. This book is what I wish someone had handed me five years ago as I struggled to find my footing in parenting a teenager and loving a teenager and aiming to be the strong mom that my daughters need while also building a bridge between their hearts and mine. I know that some mothers listening today may already feel like they're in a good place with their daughters, while others may feel like a complete failure. Wherever you are on the spectrum, you're not alone, and I believe that most moms have probably experienced both sides at one time or another. After all, every relationship consists of two imperfect centers, and we all have seasons of struggle as well as seasons where we thrive. In researching this book for moms that I recently wrote, I googled teenage daughters one day, And honestly, I was pretty saddened by what pulled up. It was all overwhelmingly negative. It all fed into the script that moms are handed when we're pregnant with baby girls. For example, I saw How to Survive Teenage Daughters, Dealing with Difficult Teenage Daughter, Why Mothers and Teenage Daughters Fight, Mother-Daughter Relationship Breakdown. Now, I know that teenagers can be challenging, perplexing, and frustrating to any parent, but we do our teens a real disservice when we settle for the belief that our best hope is to just survive them. Personally, I want more for my family, and I've found that aiming for more with my teenagers brings more joy and connection. I've also found that parenting by the negative scripts of society, with a lot of pride and no self-reflection, will only deepen the divide between us and our children and lead our teenagers to go elsewhere for love, support, and guidance. So, now the question becomes, how do we set rules and boundaries and do our job as parents without creating a war zone or a cold war? How do we stay calm as our daughters or our sons, push our buttons, test our patience, or make crazy requests in their quest for independence? How do we fight for our daughters rather than with our daughters, showing them that we're on their team as we help them discern the spiritual warfare that is present around them and impacting their generation? Here are eight pointers to keep in mind. Number one, remember that anger can be a grenade. In his best-selling book, The Five Love Languages of Teenagers, Dr. Gary Chapman says, In more than 30 years of marriage and family counseling, I have often wept as teenagers have recounted the painful words and destructive behavior of parents whose anger was out of control. What is even more tragic is the many young adults who were abused as teenagers now find themselves creating their own children in the same manner that their parents treated them. We all say hurtful things, yet it is up to us to be the adults and take a hard look at ourselves when anger or our emotions get the best of us. We all have habits and reactions that aren't always healthy, and sometimes what needs to change first is our response to hard situations. By admitting and breaking bad habits and cycles, we allow healthier habits to form, we help prevent generational dysfunction, and we set the example that we want our teenagers to emulate. Dr. Chapman says that there's a better way to motivate teenagers than by yelling cruel, bitter, or condemning words when they misbehave. He writes, Most teenagers are struggling with self-identity. They are comparing themselves with their peers physically, intellectually, and socially. Many are concluding that they simply do not measure up. Many feel insecure, have little self-esteem, and blame themselves. If there's a stage in life where humans need more affirming words, it would certainly be during the teenage years. Yet this is the very stage at which parents often turn to negative words in their efforts to get the teenager to do what the parents believe is best. Anger can ruin relationships, and so can the criticism we speak when our anger gets the best of us. By being aware of our triggers and working on our emotional health as parents, we can learn to stay calm instead of flying off the handle over every argument we have with our teenagers and also stay connected with them. Number two, see conflict as an opportunity to teach conflict resolution skills. According to John Gottman, American's top couples therapist, the number one predictor of success in marriage is how well two people can resolve conflict. In every good relationship, he says, couples have repairing skills and they repair early. Any relationship that lasts long enough will have conflict. So when you and your daughter argue, consider it a critical learning ground. Actually, you can see it as a chance to teach her, within the safety of your love, how to respectfully work through differences. By calmly expressing her thoughts and her feelings, your daughter gains assertiveness skills. By listening to your side, she gains empathy. By speaking the truth in love, she discovers the power of the right words. Together, these skills grow her relationship with you while also teaching her how to reconcile problems with others. They turn arguments into life lessons and set her up to win in all of her relationships, her career, and even her marriage. Number three, circle back around after you fight. After that argument with my daughter that led to my breakdown and then my wake-up call that I needed a new parenting plan, I went to the gym and I saw a close friend. I asked this friend how she handles fights with her daughter, and she shared some great advice. After an argument, she told me, you've got to circle back around. Go back when you're calm and have had time to think. Apologize, talk it out, and try to do better next time. I apologized to my daughter that afternoon. I told her how sad I'd been about our recent fighting, and she admitted that she had been sad too. I asked if I'd done anything to upset her, and I honestly expected her to say no, but she didn't. Instead, she said I'd become more critical and harder to please. Well, this threw me for a loop, but the truth was she was absolutely right. I had become more critical. I'd become more critical of myself during this period, and I was projecting that on her and also pressuring her with higher expectations as a new middle schooler. Owning up to my mistakes helps start turning our relationship around. It also taught me an important lesson. Teenagers respect honesty. They're okay with a parent who's not perfect, but they're not okay with a parent who tries to act perfect and then tries to shift all the blame to them. We all mess up, so when you slip with your daughter or your son, circle back around, repair the damage quickly, aim for reconciliation, and ask your daughter if there's a blind spot that you may need to work on because it's driving a wedge into your relationship. Nobody likes to hear hard truths like this if there is something going on, but it's worth taking a punch in the gut if it helps you reconnect with your daughter. Number four, find a safe place to vent. I have a friend whose daughter was a star athlete in high school. As captain of her team, her younger teammates looked up to her, and everyone respected her. She kept their respect by following her mom's advice. Stay positive around her teammates, her mom would tell her. Don't complain, vent, or talk about anyone. Save it all for me. Vent to me and give your best to your team. Encourage them and be a role model. Too often these days, we vent to anyone who will listen. We vent on social media or to total strangers. We unleash on our kids or tell our teenagers that they're self-centered, spoiled, or bratty. And as we do this, we lose respect. We dampen our credibility and weaken our relationships. I understand a parent's breaking point and I have been there myself, yet I'm most sympathetic to the damage that our outbursts can cause. Teenagers may look and act tough externally, but internally they're still tender and they long for their parents' approval. At the same time, we all need a place to vent, and that's why it does help to have someone. A friend, a spouse, a therapist, even your hairdresser. Someone who lets you rant and talk unfiltered, yet won't betray your confidence. You need a still vault who keeps your secrets safe and helps you stay strong, especially in front of your kids. Having a safe outlet makes you less likely to drop a bomb in the heat of the moment. It helps you stay in control, and perhaps most importantly, it gives you an ally to laugh with as you admit what you wanted to say to your child versus what you actually said. Number five, listen, pick your battles, and negotiate occasionally on minor points. Anyone who's parented long enough eventually comes to realize that some issues are not worth the fight, and not every conversation should be a confrontation. Dr. Lisa Damore, best selling author of the book Untangled, says, When teens are trapped with parents who would rather flaunt their power than negotiate on even minor points, it doesn't always end so well. These parents don't just damage their relationship with their daughters. They can also provoke girls into proving that they will not be controlled. Nobody likes a dictator, and nobody feels close to a parent who's always on a power trip. Sometimes, after listening to your teenager explain why she's asking for a privilege, you may change your mind. You may allow a later curfew, especially if it's time to update the old one anyway, or give her extra time with friends if she's making good decisions and keeping her grades up. Your daughter's less likely to fight non-negotiable decisions if you've negotiated on occasion. Save arguments for when you really mean business, when you're not willing to bend or budge, and pick the battles that are worth the fight. Number six, don't compare. At the heart of many, many arguments between parents and teenagers is really sadness. Sadness that a relationship has fallen short of dreams or expectations. In this sad place, you may compare your relationship with your daughter to other moms and daughters, forgetting how every duo is unique and what you see in anyone's relationship is just a moment in time. A girl who's extroverted may tell her mom everything because she can't keep it in. A girl who's introverted may tell her mom nothing because she can't get it out. A girl with sisters or close friends may turn to them first for advice. A girl with brothers or shaky friendships may find extra solidarity with her mom. No relationship is perfect, and even the best ones have peaks, valleys, hard seasons, and hidden tensions. Every family also has unique circumstances that God can and will work with. So set aside notions of what your relationship with your daughter could look like or should look like and trust God's vision. Ask Him to help you both grow Christ-like love in your relationship and your home. Number seven, let go of regret. Recently, I heard of an 80-year-old man who turned a new leaf after his wife passed away. As his kids and grandkids loved and supported him through his grief, he realized the importance of family, and he ended up doing a complete 180 and suddenly becoming the most devoted father and grandfather. I smile when I see this family on Facebook because this man is absolutely beaming. I think it's amazing, and I think it's the best example for his grandkids that even at 80 years old, he's not wallowing in regret or what he could have done differently. Instead, he's making the most of his final season on earth, and when his time comes, he's going to be in a great place with the people most important to him. God's mercies are new each morning, and what matters more than the past is how you and I both move forward. Even if your relationship with your daughter, or again, your son, is shaky, even if you fear that you've been too strict or not strict enough, even if your heart is broken because you showed tough love and now she won't speak to you, there's still hope. God's love is bigger than any argument, silent treatment, or bad season, and there's nothing that He can't repair. And when we obey God as parents, when we do what He tells us and calls us to do, He rewards that faithfulness, either here on earth or in heaven. So don't ruin today by ruminating on yesterday. Don't believe that it's ever too late to apologize, to right a wrong, or to turn a new leaf. Even if you're not proud of your past decisions, you can let those decisions inspire today's decisions and be thankful that you're still alive to receive God's present grace. Every one of us, until our final breath on earth, are a work in progress. And the goal is to keep learning, to keep growing, and keep being transformed into the image of Christ. And number eight, take the lead. I have never heard of a teenager who said to their parent, Mom, I wish we were closer. It really bothers me that we're not. I'd like to find a better way of understanding each other. For most teenagers, parents are not too high on their radar. And if we want stronger engagement and more connection, we have to take the initiative. It's up to us to show them we care about them and their lives, not by constantly checking their grades, or pushing them to excel, or yelling at any coach who doesn't play them, but rather by spending one-on-one time together, showing affection, apologizing, forgiving, laughing together and having fun, building them up with words, planning special activities or vacations, making them a priority, and loving them exactly as they are today while also helping them reach their fullest potential. If you have a teenage daughter, remember how much she needs you in this challenging season of her life. Know there is so much more to her story than what you see or what you hear. And if she is acting hostile or feisty on the outside, it's probably because she's fighting some inner battles that make her inner critic loud and feed her self-doubt. The enemy wants to divide your daughter from anyone who can help her thrive, especially you and anyone else with her best interests in mind. He wants to stir the pot and blow every small grievance out of proportion so that you and your daughter forget you're on the same team. Knowing what Satan desires makes it so crystal clear that God desires the opposite. He wants unity and healthy dynamics in your home and my home so that we can love our daughters well and love our families the way he loves us. Our world is so quick to commiserate over the misery of raising teenage girls. It starts with conversations at the cradle and grows into a self-fulfilling prophecy. I firmly believe it is time to update that script, to be realistic yet optimistic about the season of parenting where weary and exhausted parents lose hope. As I often have to remind myself, God created us to parent with a spirit of strength and not defeat, and with Him and help from the Holy Spirit, we can all do that. Teenagers are undeniably challenging, but they're also remarkable, and as we see the best in our daughters and our sons, as we enjoy them and commit to walking beside them in their journeys through all the highs and lows, we gain a place in their circles and unlock the beautiful potential of all they were created to be. Friends, thank you for tuning in today. I'm so grateful to have you here. If you enjoyed this show, please tell your friends, leave a ratings or review, and subscribe on iTunes so you can access new episodes as soon as they drop. Also, remember that my new book for Moms of Teen Girls releases August 18th, and by pre-ordering now, you can receive some fantastic pre-order bonuses. I'm thankful to be on this journey with you, and I'm praying for you and those special girls in your life.